Today on Telling the Truth, Stuart Prisco continues a series on standing firm in your faith and shares why it's so important for you to have patience and hope. But before we hear from Stuart, we're excited to share a compilation series of Stuart and Jill's messages called Hope for the Disheartened that points anyone who's feeling discouraged to the all-powerful God of hope. We'll send it to you on CD or USB as our thanks for your gift to help more people experience life through the resources and teaching of telling the truth. And if you're able to make your gift monthly, we'll also send Jill's book of poetry, Barefoot in My Heart. Call today and request your resources at 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Stuart Briscoe with his insightful message, Faith, Hope, and Patience. As the title of this book in the Bible, the Epistle to the Hebrews, suggests, it was written to a group of people coming out of a Jewish background who had been contacted by some other Jewish people who were convinced that Jesus was Messiah. And there were many Jewish people in the very, very early days of the Christian era who believed that Jesus was Messiah with profound ramifications for them. We believe that there was a group of those Hebrew believers living in Rome. And we do know from secular history that an insurrection rose, uh, some rioting started in the Jewish community in Rome uh, during the reign of Claudius. And he brought out an edict which says, hey, you Jews, you you quit behaving like this. Uh, We're going to kick you out of here. The Jews were kicked out. And some of them were these Jewish believers in Jesus. Now, as a result of that, they lost everything. They lost their homes. They lost their livelihood. They had to leave everything they were familiar with. It was a huge, huge issue. And this is referred to in the letter to the Hebrews. And it says that their attitude was wonderful. Well, now, things went from bad to worse. After Claudius, Nero came to power. And Nero began to unleash a fearsome persecution of the believers. And they know what is coming their way. And apparently, some of them were losing their nerve. They were backing off. And they were considering bailing out of their Christian profession. And this letter or sermon, there's some disagreement as to whether it is an epistle or a sermon, whatever it is, was addressed to them to encourage them not to bail out, but to stay firm, to keep the faith. And mixed in with the words of encouragement are strong words of warning too. So basically, that's what Hebrews is about. Well, now, let's look into Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. When people became believers in those days, they were put immediately into a situation where they were taught the fundamentals of the faith. And they're listed here. But now the word of warning. 
It is impossible for those who've once been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift, who've shared in the Holy Spirit, who've tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, it's impossible to be brought back to repentance because to their loss, they're crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. What the writer to the Hebrews is saying is this, you are considering rejecting Christ. If you reject Christ, you reject the cross. If you reject the cross, there's nowhere to go for repentance. There's no, there, there's nowhere to go. And so be very, very careful before you reject Christ because in rejecting Christ, you reject the cross. And in rejecting the cross, you reject the only hope of reconciliation to God through repentance and faith. Don't do it. Then he gives a very graphic illustration of this, verse 7. Lamb that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But lamb that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burnt. It's obvious what he's referring to there. But now there's a word of encouragement. And this is what happens all the way through Hebrews. Word of warning, word of encouragement. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. In other words, he said, now, God hasn't forgotten what you've done. You've done very well so far. And all we're saying is don't stop but show this same diligence right to the very end and make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now I want you to notice the emphasis here. He wants them to make their hope sure. He wants them to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, he said, we want you to imitate the example of those who exhibited faith, hope, and patience. And immediately, one of the favorite examples of faith, hope, and patience in the Bible is introduced. And his name is Abraham. Abraham. When God came to Abraham, who was living in Ur of the Chaldees, he came to a man who was living in a very comfortable, secure, amenable situation. And he said to him, Abraham, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and I want you to move out. (laughs) And Abraham said, where do you want me to go? And he said, I'll show you. I'll show you. That was it. The decision Abraham has to make is this. Are you willing to leave where you are and go somewhere I'll show you for no other reason than God promises to direct you? In other words, will you go out on a limb on a promise? Will you go out on a limb on a promise? And incredibly, Abraham says, okay. And he does it. And off he goes. Now, eventually, after quite a long time, all kinds of stuff happens. He arrives in the place where God has promised he will take him. And when he gets there, the promised land does not look very promising at all. 
It was inhabited by a bunch of people who did not exactly put out the red carpet for Abraham. And it was, had nothing to offer at all. And then Abraham was told, and you're not going to get it now either. Because you are not strong enough to overthrow the people in it. And they're not bad enough to be kicked out. But give them a few generations. Your descendants will be strong enough. And they'll be bad enough. And then I'll give the land to your descendants. And Abraham's ears prick up. He said, descendants? Did you say descendants? Yes. Your descendants, God says, using a little touch of hyperbole, will be as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sands of the desert. That's a lot of people. And Abraham says, excuse me, Lord, there's just one little problem. Yes. Um, My wife and I are no longer young. Yes. And we're infertile. Oh. And God said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sun of the desert. And incredibly, Abraham says, okay. (laughs) And this is the example of faith that is held up here. What do patience and hope have to do with standing strong in your faith? That's what Stuart Briscoe is talking about on today's Telling the Truth. And he's coming right back with more. But first, did you know that your support helps uplift listeners across the world? Like Pam and Jeff, who write, Thank you so much for the encouragement we receive through your solid teaching. We appreciate you all. Thanks, Jeff and Pam. When life doesn't go the way we expect or desire... Our faith can wane as discouragement grows. But with the new five-message series from Stuart and Jill Briscoe, Hope for the Disheartened, you'll discover why our hope needs to be tied to God and reliant on His strength and timing. In this collection of messages, you'll be encouraged by the truth that because God loves us, He walks with us through the disappointments of life. And when you understand that His promises are, as the Bible describes them, an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, your faith will grow stronger even in troubled times. This series is our thanks for your gift today to help all people all over the world experience the eternal life only available in Christ. And if you're able to make your gift monthly, we'll also send you a special bonus resource, Jill's poetry book, Barefoot in My Heart. Call 1-800-889-5388 today to request yours. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Here's Stuart Briscoe once again. Now then, Abraham has not only got faith that God will keep his promises, he also has something to look forward to, hope. Because there is the promise of the land. There is the promise of descendants. There is the promise of a covenant. There is a promise that through Abraham, listen, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And this is the hope that God places before him. He has something to live for. But there is a problem. His wife and he continue to be infertile. 25 years go by after the promise 
before Isaac is born. 25 years. And he keeps on keeping on. It's called patience. It's called patience. I want it and I want it now. Give me instant maturity, O God. Is how we talk. God says, how about a little patience? Takes a while for an acorn to become an oak tree. And that's how God works. That's not all. 25 years go by before young Isaac is born. And then 15 or 20 more years later, we're not sure how many, Isaac has become a robust adolescent or a burgeoning 20-something. And one day God comes to Abraham and he said, Now I want a word with you about Isaac. Yes, the son of promise. Yes, the one in whom all my promises center. Yes, your descendants will be all that stuff about stars and sand. Yes, and I'm going to give you so many descendants that they'll be able to occupy the land. Yes, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice. And Abraham said, what? I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice. And Abraham says, okay, okay. (laughs) This is unbelievable. But it's all there. You read Genesis 22, it's all there. And Abraham shows that he's willing to do it, but we are also given a little insight into what's going inside the old boy's head. And this is what's going on. God has promised He will keep his promises. The promises are centered in Isaac. If Isaac is killed, God will raise him from the dead. Why? Because he is absolutely convinced of the promises of God and he's absolutely rock solid in his faith and his hope and he will be patient enough to wait for God to do that. And he raises the knife. And God stays his hand at that moment. And this is what God says to him. Because you have obeyed me. Because you have obeyed me. I will promise you. And I will swear by myself. And Hebrews picks up on this. And the writer to the Hebrews then has an interesting little insight. This is what he says. There are two things in which God cannot lie. He cannot lie when he gives you a promise. And he cannot lie when he makes an oath. And he did both. And so Abraham is confronted with something that is absolutely rock solid. The promise of God. And that is the basis of his faith. That is the basis of his hope. And that what allows him to go on year after year after year patiently waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled. And in actual fact, many of the promises that were given to him were never fulfilled in his lifetime. But he didn't waver. Now that's the example that is given to these Hebrew believers. And the Hebrew believers who are in danger and wavering and going wobbly and walking away and possibly apostatizing, have been told, don't do it. Don't do it. Because there's nowhere to go if you do. But instead, look at the example of Abraham. And keep the faith. And don't lose hope. And patiently persevere whatever the circumstances 
might be. Well, now let's go to the experience of the Hebrews. What's happened as far as they are concerned? Well, what do we know about their faith? The first thing we know about their faith is that it has a solid foundation. What is the foundation of the faith of these Hebrews? We know what it is. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ. Christ is the foundation of their faith. They are good Hebrews. Not only do we know the foundation of their faith, we know that their faith was real because it bore fruit. What's the fruit? Read on. Verse 4. It is impossible for those who were once been enlightened. There's the first part of fruit. They've been enlightened. Number two, who've tasted the heavenly gift. Number three, who've shared in the Holy Spirit. Number four, who've tasted the goodness of the word of God. Number five, and the powers of the coming age. There's the fruit. There's the fruit. Where there is genuine faith in a legitimate object, there will be evidence of transformed life. There's a fundamental rule of spirituality. Where there's genuine faith in a legitimate object, there will be a transformed life. And that's what you look for. That's what you look for. Read on. They've tasted the heavenly gift. What's the heavenly gift? How about this? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's straightforward enough, isn't it? The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God, he's in heaven, adds up to the heavenly gift. What is the heavenly gift? It is the gift of life itself. The nerve that was severed between us and God has been restored. We are now in touch with the one who is the source and the course and the force of our life. We are beginning to be in touch with something called eternal life. Ask a lot of people about eternal life. This is what they'll tell you. Eternal life? Oh, that's something you get when you're dead if you were good enough. Is that how you define eternal life? It's something you get when you're dead if you're good enough. That's not how the Bible defines it. This is what the Bible says. These things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. It is a gift that you receive in the here and now, not because you're good enough, but because you've come to repentance and faith in the God who is the giver of all grace. And when that happens, you become not only enlightened, you become somebody who has tasted the heavenly gift, and you're hungry for more. You begin to live life on a higher plane. Read on. These people have shared in the Holy Spirit. Shared in the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the cliche terms that we use in the evangelical church is this. We ask people to give their testimonies, and usually they have no idea what you're talking about. What we're asking them to do is tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey. That's probably a better way of putting it. That Christ by his spirit entered my spirit. Now we're talking. Christ by his spirit entered my spirit. And the Bible says that when Christ by his spirit enters my spirit, the two commune, the two relate to each other. And the spirit of God begins to tell me stuff. (laughs) And oh, what a difference it makes. 
This is what you need to do. Take a good look at Abraham. Check out his faith. Check out his hope. Check out his patience. Keep the faith. Don't lose hope. And be patient. For God will keep his promises. So what's my message today? Very simple, really. Keep the faith. Don't lose hope. And be patient. This is Telling the Truth. And you've just heard Stuart Briscoe with his message, Faith, Hope, and Patience. Stuart will be right back in a moment to answer some important questions about today's message. Life can be filled with moments of triumph when it seems like everything is going as planned. But there are other times when nothing works out like we hoped or desired. In those moments of disappointment, faith can falter as discouragement takes over. But it doesn't have to. And in Hope for the Disheartened, the five-message compilation of messages from Stuart and Joel Briscoe, you'll discover that when you tie your hope to God's promises, your faith can grow stronger even in troubled times. If you ever battle feelings of discouragement, you'll want a copy of Hope for the Disheartened. It's our thanks for your gift to share the hope of Christ with more people through this ministry. Friends like you are transforming lives all over the world through your support. And we're so grateful for you. So if you're able to make your gift monthly and reach even more people, we'll also send you Barefoot in My Heart, Jill's most loved book of poetry. Simply call 1-800-889-5388 to request yours today. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Stuart to answer a few questions about today's message. Stuart, have you ever stepped out in faith like Abraham, based solely on the promise of God? Um, not exactly in uh, in the way that Abraham did. I've never been asked by uh, God to uh, leave my home and leave my culture and just head out uh, without any indication as to where I would go or what was going to happen. So in in that sense, no, I, I have never stepped out in faith like he did. On the other hand, if, um, if the question is, have I ever recognized that God has made some promises to me and that I need to embrace them by faith and act upon them, uh, yes, uh, uh, and obviously that, that was where my spiritual life began because uh, th- I, I heard a promise of the Lord Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will be related to him, etc., etc. And that was a promise of God that I embraced. I stepped out in faith and uh, the principle Uh, that uh, we all learn from Scripture operated for me, for it is by grace that you're saved through faith. God graciously gave me a promise by faith. In the power of his Spirit, I was enabled to respond. How can we live lives that bear fruit? The the, the key to a fruit tree bearing fruit is the life is flowing 
uh, into all the aspects, all the dimensions of the tree. Uh, how can we live lives that bear the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, by by checking on our interior relationship with the Spirit of God and ensuring uh, that we are living in dependence upon him in his indwelling presence and his indwelling power, that we are uh, living in uh, obedience to him, that we are not grieving him, that we are not quenching him, uh, that we are doing the things that he tells us to do and we're not doing the things that he tells us not to do, that we are feeding on the word of God that he has inspired and will interpret to us and that we are expecting him to implement his work in our lives. In other words, the simple rule of thumb is fruit is simply evidence of the indwelling life. We bear fruit in the Christian life when there is evidence that our relationship with the indwelling spirit is heading in the right direction and that he is at work in us and through us according to his promise. Great words of encouragement for us today. We hope you've been encouraged by today's message. Don't forget that you can request the new series, Hope for the Disheartened, featuring five of Stuart and Joel's messages when you give to help keep sharing sound biblical teaching with people all over the world through messages like these. And if you're able to give your gift monthly, we'll also send you Joel's poetry book, Barefoot in My Heart. So call now to request yours at 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. Thanks for listening today. Come back tomorrow for a message from Stuart that's all about faith, hope, and how to find clarity. That's tomorrow on Telling the Truth.